following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Well, you did it to me, you bastard. You got me sick. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man, woke up today. Have, could barely have, even could barely even get my orange juice down. My throat was so sore. I had a feeling that was going to happen when we were in, not necessarily in a car ride down to Beloit, but when we went up to Madison. And even though I was feeling okay, I was I was worried about that. Yeah, I mean. You know, no COVID, not going to die. No. I got the government uh, poison in my system, so I'm, I'm good. Jesus. Um, well, <laughs> pe- people forget that, you know, you can still actually get sick and not yeah. get COVID at the same time while this whole thing is still going on. It's the like, same, you can still catch a cold. It's the same shit I've gotten for 35 years of my life, you know? Yep. But immediately when anything happens, my wife wants me to run over to Walgreens and get an at-home COVID test. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I feel fine from the neck up is a disaster, but that's not that abnormal in a lot of respects. I was respects. just going to say that's the normal end any other day mm-hmm. in your life. Yep. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's that's life. Life goes on. We got, you know, we got we can't afford to be, to be getting sick. We got three games in the next three days. And no, we're, we're, we're I'd getting, rather do this right now and get it out of the way before the playoffs yeah, start. Yeah, no doubt, because we got uh, the next six weeks for us are going to be pretty jam-packed. So. Yep, you got it. All right, man, <laughs> take her away. Well, um, I don't uh, – I mean, I don't know really know where to start. I mean, it's been a couple of days since the exit um, by the Packers. I am not shocked that they lost. I am shocked how they lost. I guess, I guess we could put it that way. And, you know, you and I were talking about it and we talked about it the whole season, um, about how bad special teams was. And I know there's been a lot of opinions flying around about, you know, how do you hold a special teams coordinator responsible? Because what are they actually doing as far as the job out on the field instead of the players? And like, I get it, but, if you don't hold the coordinator responsible, who is paying the price? I mean, you need guys to fill out your roster, and a lot of them are on the two or three deep at some positions that you need. You just can't let them go because they serve a value elsewhere on the team. So I guess my question is now, who who pays the price for this? Who owns up to it? And I you know, Lafleur says it's my responsibility and it falls on me and blah, 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 blah. And that's, and that's nice. But again, what does that look like? How? Okay. So it falls on you. Great. You can say that, yeah, we got to fix this. Great. Well, give me some more, man. Like, how are you going to do this? Break it down for me. Tell me how in the world 
you can have a punt block and a field goal block in the same game and then not have 11 guys on the field when the team's lining up for a game-winning field goal to knock you out of the postseason. And granted, you're probably not going to block that kick to begin with, but just not having a guy kind of encapsulated this the disaster that special teams was this entire season. We see that at the high school level, and we're not satisfied with that. These are professionals. I don't, I don't understand, and nobody has any answers. Nobody has any explanation about why this stuff has happened all season. It's just we have to get better at it. Well, you didn't, and it cost you because you ran into a good team and they made you pay for it. Yeah, we kind of had foreshadowed that several weeks ago. Um, yes. I think they had a they had a real bad special teams night on that Monday night against the Bears, and that was that was kind of the first time where everybody kind of was like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" You know this this might be a problem. Um, I mean, I don't know who who you know what happens. I mean, the coach will get fired because that's the nature of the beast. I mean, if you coach a part of the the team that's not good, you're going to get fired. They're not going to get rid of all the players. Now, not what I'm reading. R- really? Okay. Nope. It's that Lafleur is such good friends with these people that he promotes from within that he's not going to fire his own guy. A little Paul Christitis? Yeah, that it, it doesn't seem like you want to go make heads roll for this. It's just, you know, we all sit around and watch game film and then write a bunch of stuff down on a legal pad about what we need to do and send some, you know, inner coaching circle emails. And then all of a sudden when training camp starts, you know, well, hopefully the same guys aren't in the same positions and doing the same crap. Well, and, and I had brought up earlier in the season when we talked about this, just a theory that, you know, maybe these guys that are on special teams, they're not special teamers. You know, they're they're your fifth wide receiver, your third tight end, and I know you want to keep them on your roster because you think they might have value offensively, but maybe they're actually liabilities on the special teams end. You know, you don't have a Chris Banjo or or one of those guys anymore on special teams that everybody knows their name. <laughs> the Travis only, Jervy. Yeah, the, I mean, the only guys now that you know their special teams names is because they're getting a stupid penalty or something, you know, but... I mean, I almost think that the ten men on the field for the last play was the was more embarrassing than the the two block kicks because it just it just speaks to you know lack of discipline, lack of organization. However, you want to phrase it, there was just something off with that part of the team, and you know it's it. I, I always default because I didn't play much football. I always default the people that played the game when it comes to stuff like this. And I was listening to Shannon Sharp kind of describe what how you're supposed to block on the end of a of a line when you're either for a field goal or a punt because he was talking about he was on special teams his first couple years in Denver and he the way he was explaining it he explained it and the whoever the guy for the Packers was did the complete opposite wrong thing and he blocked the wrong guy and that's who ran in and blocked that punt. Yep, and 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 the amazing thing about the block punt was nobody knew where the hell the ball was. No, I mean anybody could have picked that up. It, it was just a matter of literally finding it because there was nobody there. And then the the Forty ers get 
like the odd fortuitous football bounce where it just bounces straight into the guy's hands instead of some wacky sideways into your shin bounce where, you know, nine guys are scrambling for it. Right in his hands into the end zone, 13 to 10. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that the Packers don't give up an offensive touchdown and lose at home. I mean, it's kind of, it's if you play that game a hundred times, that happens once. And we saw. Yeah, it. it's, it's finding new ways to mess things up, even though, you know, the special teams thing is not new. Um, but just the fact that the defense came out and played really well. I mean, yeah, they gave up a couple of runs. They gave up a couple of passes. They picked off Garoppolo, which we kind of said was going to happen. He, you know, he'll give you the ball. Um, but I didn't have a problem with the defense at all. The offense went completely dormant. I mean, things really, the wind got taken out of the sails on that Mercedes Lewis fumble. And I know they say they didn't lose that game at that point, but that was a really big early pivotal moment. Just the fact that, you know, the offense just carved up that San Fran defense on that first drive. Totally. Like I was talking, I was talking to Michael about it. If they go in and punch it in after they uh, force the 49ers to punt and they punch it in on their second possession, everything seems a little bit colder in Lambeau when it's 14 nothing and oh. you've just given up two quick touchdowns. The game's over. The game's over. The 49ers couldn't score. They, they, I mean, right. look, they scored 13 points. I mean, that's right. that's just it. If you score another touchdown in the next 50 minutes of game time, you win the game. Even with everything that went wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, and, and let's talk a little bit about their the offense. I mean, after that first drive, with the exception of the blown coverage where Aaron Jones got the 75-yarder, like, they did nothing. Nope. They couldn't run it. Um, Rodgers basically decided that there was only going to be one guy that he was going to throw to, and that was Devontae yeah. Adams. He that was, was completely zeroed in on him more than I've ever seen. Um, I, You know, I thought Rodgers, this game reminded me so much of 2007, which was Favre's last game at home for the Packers in the title game. It wasn't that cold, but, like, I don't know. Rodgers, I was tra- I was talking to my mom about this because she was all bent out of shape that they lost because her and my dad are Packer fans, which, you know, everybody says, what the hell, how are you a Bear fan? But that's a story for another day. But anyway, I was telling her, I'm like, think about it this way. When I was in high school or even college, I never wore a coat. Never. I'd wear a hoodie or, you know, uh, maybe like a pullover or something like that. I never wore a coat in the winter when it was cold because I was, you know, I was young. I didn't care. You're trying to be a tough guy. But now I don't go outside unless I've got like three layers on, my puffer coat, a stocking hat, and some gloves. Well, that's because I'm old now, and when you get old, cold sucks. And Rogers looked like an old dude who wanted to not have any part of playing in that weather. He was up Would to the, you, he was constantly hands in his pockets up at the line all the time. He just he looked miserable the whole day. Which is hysterical because they did nothing and not just him, a lot of other people on the team did nothing but for the last two weeks talk about what the potential temperatures were and who uh, their potential opponent would be having to come and play through that. Well, 
it looked a little challenging, like you said, for them. Um, you know, and and you can say you're looking forward to it, and you can say that that is part of the home field advantage that you like playing in that weather. But you know, it, when push comes to shove, if you can't perform in it, you can say you like it right until you get out there, and then you turn to your teammates and be like, "God damn, this sucks." Yeah. I mean, it, it just, you know, and I'm, I could be 100% off base. It's just what it looked like when I was watching it. I just thought to myself, like, this dude would rather be anywhere right now but playing in this game just by the look on his face. But I, I Well, I, don't I mean, know. he there was a lot of things that also went wrong in the offense, and I really didn't understand it. Like, I was reading from some of the beat guys, like uh, Bakhtiari not playing in – for two weeks, uh, having time to get ready after Rogers basically guilted him into playing in the Lions game. So if he doesn't play there, all of a sudden does he play in the playoffs? And does he handle uh, Bosa a little bit better than Billy Turner, who was coming off an injury for the last few weeks, being out at his first game back? They put him from right tackle to left tackle because he's their most experienced guy even though it's his first game out of the gate. And the last time they did that against the 49ers, Bosa ate him alive, but they thought they'd give it another go. Rodgers has more of a faith than Yash Nyman, who's actually held up pretty well. He doesn't even get to play. Um, so, like, they went with a very odd offensive line combination, uh, one that did not work the last time they played the 49ers, according to all these beat guys. And, you know, the Bakhtiari thing, I just, I don't even know what 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 happened there, and you and I talked about that on our way to Beloit um, the other night. Uh, I don't I don't know how you play twenty eight snaps, and granted, you got a big you're a, you're a big boy coming back from a knee injury, um, but those aren't as big a deal now as they used to be. You know, you can come back within a year, just shy of a year. Um, he's, he's their highest paid offensive. He's one of the highest paid guys in the league. He's, you know, a foundational left tackle guy that you need in the playoffs and he can't go two weeks after playing 27, 28 snaps. And, and the fact that LeFleur has said nothing and given no details about that whatsoever, um, all year and even into the postseason about what's up. I, it just makes me wonder, like he can say they're on a good path and they have, complete faith and you know that he's on the correct timeline and ready to be healthy whatever but you know when push comes to shove if your best guy's not out there and he has all this recover time then to me it just means something else is going wrong i hear you man it's it's weird it's it's just weird that he's still out after after over a year everything you just said yeah we talked about it the other night in the in the car and it's I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to kind of wrap your head around, really. But um. I thought Lafleur got out coached. The Dylan injury sucked. He cracked a rib. Somebody came down on his chest in a pile on special teams. Um, you know they couldn't run the ball, like you said. Rogers zeroed in on Adams, even though on that bomb down the middle of the field between the hash marks when he was double covered. Um, I saw somebody do a diagram of that play. And Rodgers knew that it was going to be a double team because there was a guy cheating over. But you looked at the other side of the field and Alan Lazard is wide open. And you didn't see him. And it just it's very weird that Rodgers has gone away from the natural check down progression of finding receivers and just 
has con- and good for Adams. He's had a great season, and it's probably a product of Rodgers looking for him more often than not. But it's been at the expense of everybody else and has made your, your passing game a little one-dimensional. And you're not playing the Lions or the Bears or the AFC North division. You know, guys with secondary problems. You know, these, this is the playoffs. You can't afford to do that shit now. But that Mercedes Lewis fumble, I don't know. DeGuara dropped a couple of them. Maybe he just lost faith in everybody and said, I'm going to go to the dude who, who I know will catch the ball whether he's open or not. Well, that was to the detriment of the entire offense, and it ultimately cost them the game. Well, I mean, I guess that would lead us into the Rodgers thing. Um you know, we're we're now going to enter another off season and summer of will he or won't he? And you know, the Packers got some a lot of financial, big financial decisions to make. I think they're oh about forty four or forty five million over the cap. Um, you know, you've you, you've drafted Jordan Love last year. Are you you know, if you bring Rodgers back, now you're in to year three where he's not playing. Um, you know, Rogers, of course, had to go on his boy McAfee show the other day, and he's on there with his, with his other boy, AJ Hawk, yucking it up, you know, 36 hours after getting embarrassed. Um, you know, he brought up retirement in his post-game press conference, which post-game press conferences, I pretty much everything that's said in those, you just kind of throw out the window because it's too raw. Um, but I don't know, man. You look around the league. We, we we did this in the fall or in this last summer. You look around the league. There's not a ton of landing spots for him. Um, I don't think the Packers would trade him to an AFC or to an NFC team um, because I don't think even if the Packers got rid of Rodgers, I think this roster is still talented enough to, especially with the seven playoff teams now, to compete to be a close to 500 team. So I'm not sure you want to trade Rodgers to, you know, the, the the Giants or the Eagles and have to play him in the playoffs. I, I think that would be be rough. So you narrow it down to the AFC, and, I mean, that's really where all the good young quarterbacks in football are. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, what what do you think? Do you think he's back? Does he ask for a trade? Does he retire? Is he going to change his mind five times like Favre between now and the season? What do you think? I'll be really curious to see whether he sticks to his timeline. And, you know, a lot of this stuff that I take with a grain of salt, he came out after the press conference that he wants to make a decision by the time free agency starts, which is in the middle of, I think it's in the middle of March. Um, And then um, he came out on McAfee's show and said now he kind of wants to decide and see how it goes with, whether the Packers apply the franchise tag to Devontae Adams. It seems like if he, he if he's going to come back to Green Bay, it seems like it, he wants it to be a package deal. If they're going to get if they're going to get Adams back, he'll come back. Um, he'll come back if they want to re-sign Adams to a long-term deal. It's like vice versa. Both of them have said during the year that they each want to see what the other is going to do. So it, it seems pretty clear to me that Devontae Adams does not want to be um, there having Jordan Love throwing the ball. Um, and you and I kind of talked about it a little bit because he has had a phenomenal year and somebody's going to pay him top dollar. If all of a sudden he gets the franchise tag or 
Uh, he comes back to Green Bay, and Jordan loves his quarterback. His production drops, I would say. And then if he's in line for another deal, he doesn't have as much leverage to get a big deal. So um, I just don't see them bringing Adams back. And then by virtue of that, I don't see them having Rodgers back. I mean, the dude's got a $44 million cap hit for next year alone. You'd have to sign him to an extension. That would probably be uh, a two-year minimum. I'm not sure that they want to do that. I think they, they probably want to see what the Jordan Love thing looks like because then you're at the end of his rookie deal and you still don't know what you have in him because he hasn't been on the field. At the same time, he gives you the best chance to win ball games. It's just not as cut and dry as I think as a lot of people want to make it. Um, it's going to be up to management on what they want to do, how they want to um, prioritize getting wins versus financial security. You know, do they want to be cash strapped? Do they want to gut the roster more than necessary to fit this guy on the team and potentially Adams at the expense of a lot of other people that may make their team better? Or do you go with average quarterback play for however many seasons and hope that he keeps improving um, and gets to an above average uh, level? You know, who's to say that that's ever going to happen? You don't know. But that's your investment, and that's what you want to roll with. You know, I don't have any problem with that. But if you're not going to bring them back, then give me a return on my investment. Send them somewhere. Get something for him um, if he's amenable to it, and and see what you can turn it into. Um, I, I, I'm not one of these guys who is a player guy who says that I need to have him back. Um, I want the team to be put in the best position to win for the future. Um, and if you got to go down for a, another year or two to be in a better position, that's fine because in another year or two, he might not be there anyway. Um, and so I guess I'd rather it be get something for him now than not later, because clearly I don't think you're I mean, you, I just think that Super Bowl window is probably closed. I agree. To me, you, you, you've proven right now with this group, You've made it to the NFC Championship a couple of times. You've got the number one seed, the only team that did in your conference, and you can't win it at home against the lower seed, one of the lowest seeds in your playoff bracket. So what's to say that I have any confidence in this group moving forward to get it done? There's really none for me. So I'm not sure that you blow the entire thing up, but you got to put yourself in a better financial position with the salary cap mess. You got to see who you can bring back, and then you got to see what kind of pieces you can add to try and build it back up. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny that everybody has kind of made it like, "What's Rogers going to do?" Where it's not just up to him. Um, no, the, the Packers have, are as an organization are going to have a huge say in, in how this plays out, and you touched on most of it. Um, yeah, you know, they may look at it and and you know. Can can we can we afford to pay this kind of money to have the same results again next year and then put ourselves in the same situation? And then yeah, and then the Jordan Love thing. We've invested a first round pick in this guy. I mean, you don't do that to not play him. So no, you know you got to make a decision on him. Either if you stick with Rodgers, I think you got to try to move him. Um, I agree. But well, yeah, we'll we'll see. Anything else on the pack before we move on? Um, not really. I mean, 
it sounds like uh, their offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett is getting some getting some more love with second interviews. Um, and it sounds like if he leaves, sounds like uh, from what I'm reading, Lafleur is going to promote Luke Getzey, the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach, that he might you know move up to offensive coordinator. But that like you know if you're working for Mike McCarthy or Paul Chris, that position doesn't really mean much. Yeah. When when you know when your head coach is calling the plays, it's just kind of one of those things where you elevate somebody, get in somebody else in another position, and just you know fill the roles. So not a big deal if Hackett leaves. I know um, Rogers has has grown grown kind of fond of him, but that that's just another piece. It's just the natural turnover of the coaching carousel. So not a huge deal to me if he if he would leave. All right. Well, I'll let you take it away again, buddy. Why? I got to rest the pipes. Oh, all right. <clears throat> so, as far as the rest of uh, the playoffs, number one seed, not a good week for them. Um, Cincinnati manages to beat the Titans by three after Joe Burrow was even back nine times. Man, that's a beating. Yeah, it is. And I, you know... Just looking at the AFC and who's all in there, I guess now that you see what happened, I'm not sure Tennessee, even though they they earned it, I'm not sure they were worthy of a number one seed. I'm, they weren't a number one seed caliber no, team to me. No, no doubt about it. I mean, they and even in that game, like they're they're down six to nothing. They score a touchdown and they go for two. Like why? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get that. And uh, you know, then they had that that interception that clearly the ball hit the ground, and they still got it, and they really couldn't even do anything with it towards the end of the game because Tannehill just kept throwing it to the other team. So I, I'm impressed with Cincinnati. I think it's I think it's fun to see him um, win a couple playoff games. I like Joe Burrow. I enjoy watching that that dude, and uh, you know him and Jamar Chase. That could be a pretty fun duo for the next. 10 years if those guys stick together and stay healthy. I'm just glad one of my picks for the weekend uh, of an upset actually panned out. <laughs> so that's all. Um, Rams well, blow 20. Well, go, go ahead. Well, I was Sorry. just going to say, this is this one I knew. I, I saw this one coming. Yeah. Yeah. Rams beat Tampa Bay on a last-second field goal after L.A. blows a 24-point lead. Um, I didn't get to see much of this game. Um especially when I looked at the at the score at the time, and I was like, well, I'm not going to tune into this now. And all of a sudden, it gets down to late stage, and I went, wait a minute, what? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and we didn't even touch on it with Rodgers. We can save it for another day talking about kind of his playoff resume and who he's some of the quarter, some of the terrible quarterbacks he's beaten and some of the terrible ones that he's lost to. But, like, Stafford's playoff record has basically been oh for whatever, and yep. then he finally gets a win last week, and then he plays really, really well in this game against Tampa. But like Cam Akers fumbles twice, and then the center snaps one over his head, and all of a sudden <laughs> it looks like he's going to blow a twenty-four point lead to Tom Brady. I mean. I can't imagine what the talk would have been about Stafford the next day, and it, and it would not have been his fault. I mean, that's that's just the funny thing with these quarterbacks. Like, I was looking back at some of Rodgers' stuff, and it's like I I had forgotten that they lost that uh, 
his first playoff game to the Cardinals, fifty-one to forty-five. It's like, hey, maybe get a stop. You know, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, the quarterback. We always make it like a one-on-one battle, but sometimes there's just other shit happens that you can't control. No, I mean that. You know, case in point, Mercedes Lewis fumble. That's yeah. not Rogers' fault. No, but you know, it, it certainly contributed to the downward spiral of how he was playing. Right. Um. So yeah, that's that was a wild ending, but the the crazy one and the ratings were just absolutely through the roof. And I watched the end of this, even though I was trying to go to bed, um, but I couldn't turn it off because I wanted to see what happens. And then you get sucked in later by just one oh my god after another, um, seeing Buffalo take the lead with 13 seconds left, and Mahomes completing a couple of passes to get down into field goal range and tie the game to send it to OT. And then as soon as the coin flip happens, you know it's over because the Chiefs have all the momentum at home, and they uh, they go down and they score game over, and just an just an absolute slobber knocker back and forth between the Chiefs and the Bills. It was really entertaining down the stretch. I didn't watch most of the game because I mean I was in in football depression mode on Sunday and I was just doing other stuff. Sure, um, but I but I watched the end of that game and it was absolutely phenomenal. But I felt really disappointed for Buffalo. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because I, you know, in a game like that, and you can say, and I, you know, I tweeted about it. I know you, you replied to me. I just feel like in a situation like that, in the game like that, um, with the playoffs and whatnot. And I mean, just the fact that these two teams seem so even and Buffalo was playing so well in Kansas City, it's just not to not give the other team an opportunity to have the ball when both of them have gone back and forth all game like that. I don't know what I don't know what the solution is. I just know that I don't think the current current model and you can talk about college football's overtime being so gimmicky and after, you know, two over, three overtimes or whatever, all you're doing is going for two. You know, you can say all that, but at the end of the day, the better team prevails because each team has an even opportunity to win the ball game. And I just feel like that is the that is the most equitable way to get that done that doesn't have to rely on a coin flip. That's fair. I mean I, I was more, you know, I was more commenting on this particular game where it's like, you know, any Buffalo fan that's complaining about it, it's like, listen, you had thirteen seconds to get a stop. And your dumbass coach kicks it in the end zone instead of squibbing yeah. it and making them run some clock. And then you you played stupid defenses and left the middle of the field open for yep. with a dude with three timeouts. I mean, oh, don't get me wrong the 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 breakdowns at the end of the game for Buffalo and the decision making no doubt cost them the game. I'm not I'm I'm not saying they should be rewarded by having an opportunity uh, in overtime that they lost that game right there on just the things that, that you mentioned. Like the football or the, the, the kickoff thing is inexplicable and to me inexcusable. Yep. Like if you wanna if you want to point to a loss, there you go. How do you allow a team to move down the field and kick a field goal with under thirteen seconds to go? Well that's they, ridiculous. Well and they said he the coach came out and said they, they didn't want to kick it to Tyreek Hill. They didn't want to give him an opportunity and it's like well I mean he would basically have to run it back. Right. Because at thirteen seconds like you know what? What is he going to do? He's going to run forty yards and then run out of bounds. Like that's probably, you know, not that. Well, not likely. only that, but but the rules right now are 
like it, like if I'm one of these kick returners, the odds of you running it back, even being you know a superstar and one of the best in the game, unless your name's Devin Hester, you know, or Desmond Howard, you're the chances of you doing this are not very good. Right. So if you so if you know you're going to catch it within the ten yard line to the goal line, let's say, fair catch it, fair catch it. Sure. No time runs off the clock. You still get the ball out there. So I mean, they still could have done that, and Buffalo still could have attempted to at least try to do it. Kansas City would have just had to have been smarter. But the fact that Buffalo didn't even attempt to do it is is not. You know, it's a very big indictment on that coaching staff. Well, I heard a new overtime rule that that was proposed by a coach several years ago. I can't remember who the coach was, uh, but I heard it on a podcast. So you, you, you do the coin flip. Whoever gets the ball first, let's say Kansas City does what they do. They get the ball, they go down, and they score a touchdown. So Buffalo would then get the ball, and they would get it at the same yard line that Kansas City started at, and they would have the same amount, same number of plays to score a oh. touchdown. If they score a touchdown in the same or less plays, then you just go to sudden death again. If they don't score a touchdown in this set amount of plays, Kansas City would win the game. Game's over. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I... There, there's never going to be a, a, a way that, it's going to satisfy everybody unless it gets super gimmicky. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, man. It's it's one of those things. It doesn't happen very often in the playoffs, but it seems like when it does, it's kind of a shit show and everybody's bitching about it. I felt bad for, for the Bills and the Bills fans. Um, you know, they, they have a really good team, and going forward, I think they're going to keep being really good, and I'm – Nothing against Kansas City. I'm just kind of tired. I would have liked to see the Bills get into the get into the AFC Championship game. I I would have been really interested in a Cincinnati Buffalo matchup. Um, you know, Kansas City Bengals doesn't really do anything for me. Well, I we think just we just we just saw it in Week 17. Yeah, it just happened. So, so. I mean, to me the to me that that's the Chiefs win, um, and they and and they're going to go. And I mean, we can you know we can. Unless you have anything else to talk about, well, um, I mean, jo- um, Josh Allen has has proven he is in the top top tier of quarterbacks. I mean, he had twelve incompletions in the playoffs, and he had nine touchdowns, uh, yeah. and he ran for like a hundred and twenty some yards too. And I mean, he dude, he, that one play, there was one play in the Chiefs game, he knocked somebody out. He was running, and he just threw his shoulder into some dude and knocked him out. I mean, this this kid is a tank, and. You know, we touched on it in the Rodgers thing. Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, possibly Zach Wilson, um, Derek Carr. Man, there's a lot of good young quarterbacks in the AFC. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch the next few years. So, um, I think the games are at like 2 o'clock and then 5.30. Mm-hmm. On on Sunday, I think are they leading with San Francisco and the Rams? No, that's, I, I that's think the that's the game. second game. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the first game is going to be Cincy and KC. Um, Kansas City. This, I mean, four straight AFC Championship home games. It's the first time I think ever that that's happened. That's unbelievable. It's very impressive. Very impressive. So. Culture, but you, but, but you in, gotta you gotta win. Yep. You don't want to be two and two in those games. You want no. you'd much rather be three and one. Cincinnati's in their first AFC Championship game since 1988. Um, that's when they beat the Bills. 
And yeah. then for the night, and then for the nightcap, um, or the afternoon, late afternoon game, I I didn't know that San Francisco had owned the Rams owned in them. the last six matchups, all forty nine or wins. I didn't realize it was that lopsided a series. Kyle Shanahan is Sean McVay's daddy. <laughs> he just he does he owns them. It's crazy. <laughs> Well, and they, they gotta and, go to, and they just played in what week week eighteen, and the Rams blew a big ass lead to the Niners. Yeah, if I'm if I'm San Francisco, I have all the confidence in the world. Oh hell yeah, this game. absolutely. And and that's a short drive for people in San Fran down to L.A. And they're not crazy about their home teams, either the Chargers or the Rams to begin with. So I would I would think this is going to be either a very very partisan crowd. Or even a San Francisco, I feel like it might be a San Francisco home game. So you're going Chiefs and I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Chiefs and Niners. Okay, okay, I'm going Chiefs Rams. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my preseason Super Bowl winner, the Rams. I think Stafford's gonna get it done. They they gotta they gotta beat the Niners eventually. Yeah, you know they're due. Of course, yeah, you know Rogers was due to beat the Niners too, but who knows. <laughs> <sighs> Wow, that's I mean, good weekend of football. I mean, you know, there were there were a lot of good games, a lot of games, I mean, right down to the wire. So, I mean, you can't really ask for much more unless you're a fan of one of the teams that lost in really heartbreaking fashion. So, the only thing you can ask for is that your team finally fucking hires a general manager, which you have. Yes, finally. And how are you with this? Um as I have stated before, I don't really know much about these guys. Um, the Bears hired uh, Ryan Poles. He is a he was a player personnel guy with the Chiefs. Um, Thirty six years old. Coincidentally, he was an undrafted rookie free agent on the Bears about fifteen years ago, which yep. is kind of a kind of a funny thing. Uh, but I, you know, I. I'm happy he comes from a franchise that's been very, very successful recently. But other than that, we'll we'll see. You know, right? I, I I'll be interested to see how he drafts in April, um, and then of course be very, very interested who he's going to hire to be his coach. And uh, shockingly, the Bears did something right this time, and they hired the general manager first. Uh, it sounded like. Uh, Poles had an, an interview yesterday scheduled with the Vikings, and he was top of their list. And the Bears pretty much just weren't going to let him get out of town, and uh, and they made the deal. So I, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was also funny that the day after he's hired, he's already interviewing a head coaching candidate. Like there was no sort of you know um, moon uh, what's uh, like honeymoon sort of uh, stage or anything like that or kind of get that it's like all right you get, get this guy in here we got to get going yeah. i thought that was weird but also do you think now because it you know the the guys who have gotten second interviews now called well they were scheduled to interview uh, dan quinn and is it is it eber or eber yeah. or whatever his name is yep is it weird now that you've saddled this guy at least to me what what i'm seeing you saddled him with these three guys. Don't you bring him in and say, is there anybody else that you would want to kind of take a look at? Or is he now beholden to one of these three dudes? Well, it is a little weird because they interviewed Dan Quinn today, 
And so are they going to bring Caldwell and Eberflus back again so the new GM can interview them? They He interviewed Caldwell yesterday. Oh, he did. Okay, I missed that. Yes. Okay. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's better than what they did to Ryan Pace where they just said, hey, we're hiring John Fox. Um, <laughs> so at least this guy's got door number one, two, and three instead of just one. Um, I tend to think that it's going to be Dan Quinn or Jim Caldwell, myself. Um, I think, I think this this bears with a young GM and a pretty dumb front office. I think getting a coach in there that's had some previous success is a little bit older, so has got some um, some real experience. You know, Jim Caldwell. People forget he coached the Super Bowl. You know, with the with the uh, Colts when they lost to the Saints. Obviously, Dan Quinn, excuse me, coached with the Falcons when they lost to the Patriots. So both of those guys have captained the ship of some pretty good teams. Um, I I don't know that those are guys that are necessarily going to lead you to the promised land immediately, but I think at least in the short term, um, they provide a a steady hand of of kind of maybe where where the new general manager wants to steer the franchise. That that's that's my hope. I'm curious to see what Lauren thinks about both of these. Maybe next week we can have him on. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I haven't listened to any of his Lockdown Bears podcasts. I'm sure he's covered um, this already ad nauseum. But I, I, I would just be curious about his thoughts about the general direction of the team. And you're right about grading the general manager. You don't know that until you see how he has, you know, how he handles free agency or what his approach in the draft is. They don't have a first round pick, so you know you're not going to. You're not going to learn anything about this draft, I would assume, for the next you know two, three years, um, because it's probably unlikely you're going to get anybody that is a day one starter out of the gate. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I don't know. The Vikings got a new general manager. I don't know anything about him. I, I'm not even sure I pronounced his name correctly this morning when I read his name on the air. Yeah, it's a hyph- um, it's a hyphenated one, and he he came from the Browns, right? Correct. Yep, and and from what I read from the, all the people I follow from the NFL on Twitter, he's very well respected. But the comparison that I get is that he is a football paperwork statistic nerd. Hmm. Okay. So I'm I don't know about his talent talent evaluation as far as the eye test. It seems like he um, he dives into. Uh, what looks good on paper. So that's that's kind of what I saw floating around. Whether that translates um, well, I have no idea. Um, he's got to hire a new coach up there too. So I'll just I'll, I'll just be curious about what happens there. Yeah, and then Sean Payton retired kind of out of nowhere. Well, he didn't retire. He well, just he, he, he just quit the team. He retired for a year. He or so he says. Yeah. Well, until Jerry Jones fires McCarthy and pays him a shitload of money and he's coaching the Cowboys. See, that's, that's what Kornheiser said. He said today that, or maybe it was Wilbon, I can't remember, who who said this, this reeks of Jerry Jones' fingerprints all over it. Yeah, well, Peyton was a Cowboy guy. He was like Parcells' top assistant when he was the uh, Cowboy coach. So there's there's definitely a connection there. I, I mean, if, if I'm Sean Peyton, I'm looking around going, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston? Oh, God, yeah. Mm, no, thank you. I, I, Dak? Eh, I could work with Dak. You know? 
I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I don't. I don't think I'll he's going to be out of football very long. I'll be really. Yeah, he. He said he was looking at TV for a year, um, and then maybe getting back in. I don't know that if the Cowboys have another year, uh, go like it did, including the end of the postseason under McCarthy, whether he survives again in Dallas. He may not survive this. He may be like one of those. They're they're you know they're four and six, and he gets canned. Right. No. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, All right. That's enough football. About forty-four minutes. So. Oh wow! That's that. That was moving. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Uh, can your voice hold out to talk about the Bucks? Are yeah. they in action right now? They are. Yes. Um, okay. Thirty and nineteen. <laughs> one game behind. Well, they're one game out of first in the East, but the top six teams in the East are all within two games. So it's. It's a big-time logjam at the top right now. Nobody's been able to separate themselves because of injury and, and COVID. and um, It's just, I don't know, it's going to be really interesting how the last half of the season plays out. But, yeah, um, last week uh, took care of a, a red-hot Grizzlies team at home in what was a really, really fun game. Um, Friday night, they finally played the Bulls, and they squeaked out a 94-90 win. Very ugly, very physical game. Um, I think the referees thought that DeMar DeRozan was Michael Jordan because he got every goddamn call in the first half of that game, which was very strange. Um, obviously, the big thing to come out of that is um, Grayson Allen. Broke fla- dude's yeah, wrist. Yeah, flagrant foul on Alex Caruso. Caruso ends up breaking his wrist. Sounds like he's going to be out about six weeks. Bulls were obviously upset after the game. Um some of their players, their coach, their broadcaster, they all kind of took their run at Grayson Allen. And and I get it. You know, Grayson Allen has got the reputation coming out of Duke of, of you know, kind of being a shithead. And, um, you know, I, I understand that that's where everybody's head goes. But he had never had a flagrant foul in the NBA in, like, four years of being in the league. Um, I saw the play in real time. Obviously, the fall and the injury looked really bad. But... Yeah, that kind of play happens a lot, and if Caruso doesn't land quite so awkward, I don't think it's it's an ejection foul. It was a hard foul, no doubt about it, uh, but it's unfortunate. Um, so the Bucks are without Grayson Allen tonight um, as they're currently playing Cleveland. They have the Knicks at home Friday, and they're home for the Nuggets on Sunday. Um, Bucks-Bulls would be a really fun playoff matchup. I think it would be a really, really difficult one for the Bucks, And honestly, the way things are going right now, I'm not sure they'd win it. Um, the Bulls are a little bit better than I thought, and they're, you know, they've got two or three top guys. Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine are out right now. Long term. Long term. Um, but, you know, the I Bucks. Thought, the Bucks are... I thought Levine just came back. Oh, okay, well, he didn't play in the Buck game, so he might be back now. But, yeah, um, I thought he came. He thought he came back last night or the night before. Okay, but I mean the Bucks are still trying to get their act together too. Um, DiVincenzo has not been very good since he's been back. Up until about the last two games, he has started to play better. It looks like he's starting to get his legs under him. Um, and you know, uh, they gave an update the other night on Brook Lopez. He is doing some on court work, which is really good to hear. Um, no timetable for his return, but. Um, they they miss him, and it's I I think it's it's starting to wear on Giannis and Bobby Portis a little bit. Those guys are 
undersized centers, and they're being asked to do a lot, you know, defensively right now. And and Bucks could really use use Brooke Lopez's big body. That's for sure. Well, it's good they're finally getting him him back on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I remember when we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the Bulls in the playoffs, and you had not spoken very confidently about them going on a deep playoff run um, because you didn't think they had the the horses that it took to, you know, go in against, you know, maybe like a Brooklyn or somebody like that deep and win a seven-game playoff series. Is Has your tune kind of changed well, um, it, to that, given what they've done? It's a little matchup-oriented. Um, they match up pretty good with the Bucks, and you know if 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 DeRozan is going to be refereed like a superstar, which he's not, he's an all star, but he's not a superstar. If he's refereed that way, and he's getting to the line twelve, thirteen times a playoff game, yeah, they're going to be really tough. I'm not sure he's going to get those calls. And, you know, some of these other guys, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, they've never played a playoff game. Um, They're talented. They're well coached. So they they could certainly, I don't think they can win the East, but, you know, if they beat a Miami or a Milwaukee in the second round, I wouldn't be totally shocked. Okay. Um. Some other things around the league. I was very thrilled. I was watching PTI, I think it was yesterday. And, you know, Kornheiser, he loves to make a big deal about some of these superstars Mm -hmm. and, you know, make it to be more of a thing than it necessarily needs to be. Um, He talked about Anthony Davis coming back to the Lakers. And Wilbon just completely shut him down, basically saying that the Lakers right now are, are irrelevant and he's tired of, a lot of media entities, and he, he also told, you know, mentioned his own company, ESPN, for, you know, doing some Laker puff pieces and pumping them up really when the Lakers, he said, are irrelevant. So, I mean, Anthony Davis coming back, great, and LeBron's having a, a, a good year individually, statistically speaking, but, you know, people still trying to talk about them is, you know, lost on a lot of people that actually follow the league and know what's going on as opposed to just, you know, the normal person who, who doesn't watch a whole lot of West Coast games. They're the Cowboys of the NBA. They're, they're, just, they're just always talked about whether they're relevant or not, and it's very annoying. I mean, they are not relevant right now. They're, they're I think, one game under 500 or 500, something like that. I think they're maybe the 8 or the 9 seed in the West. Um, you know, LeBron's numbers look great, um, but he's picked up a few of his new teammate, Russell Westbrook's habits of stat padding. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't really, he's, he's playing well. I don't really care what the numbers are right now for him because they're not, they're not winning a lot of games. Anthony Davis coming back will certainly help that, but, um, I just don't see them being able to win a seven game series against, Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, maybe even Denver. Um, I, I I just don't see it, and I'm very you know, and I'm okay. very fine with it. You 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 mentioned the Suns, and I you know I try to pay attention to the league, but I 
I only basically am kind of in, in tune when I do pay attention to the East Coast because it's whoever, or not East Coast, but the Eastern Conference because it's who the Bucks are playing. And I kind of know the lay of the land as far as the teams involved. I don't know anything about the West, um, but I, you know, I know Golden State's good. Um, Phoenix, I, did, I guess I didn't realize had that good a record um, already, but are they, they, you know, probably still chapped about the, uh, the NBA championship last year and probably looking to uh, atone for that loss, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, kind, of, they're kind of the West Coast Bucks, really. I mean, uh, they've got a couple of really good players in Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Um, they're 37 and nine. They're the number one seed in the West. They have the best record in basketball right now, but yeah, you don't really hear a lot about them. Um, they're not fancy. They're not flashy. Uh, they just, they just kick your ass and, um, they're going to be really, really difficult to beat. I think they're, they're on a mission, um, to get back to the finals and, um, you know, those guys were, very, very, very tough against the Bucks last year. Chris Paul and Devin Booker got a lot of pride. Um, I'm sure they get tired of hearing about LeBron and Anthony Davis all the time as well, and Golden State and Curry and Clay and and all that shit. So, um, yeah, these guys are they're having a hell of a season, and uh, I look for them, you know, to be right there at the end in the West with probably the Warriors, the way it's looking right now. Did you foresee all the dysfunction that is happening in Brooklyn when you add all these big names and big egos and big personalities and, and the talent that comes with it, but you put all these guys on one team and if the result is not where you're blowing everybody away with all of your good guys on the court, which they can't even do that with, you know, some of the mandates in place. Um, did you think it was just a matter of time before, you know, problems started to rear their head for the Brooklyn Nets? Yep. Cause they, they got dysfunctional stars, you know, Kyrie Irving, well-documented flat earth, you know, don't want to get the shot. I'm more, I'm, I'm a person, not just a basketball player, blah, blah, blah. Can't count on him. Always hurt when when you need him most in the playoffs. Kevin Durant um, just kind of seems like he just – it's almost like the guy's got an identity crisis. Like he doesn't really know who he is or who he's supposed to be, and he just makes really weird decisions like joining a 73-win team and kind of coattailing some titles and then wanting to team up with, with Kyrie. And, and even though I don't like James Harden, I actually feel kind of bad for him because those other two guys were telling him, dude, you got to come to Brooklyn and join us, join this threesome. It's going to be great. You don't want to go to Philly or L.A. You want to come play with us. Well, and then he gets there, and last year happens where everybody gets hurt, and then this year you got to deal with Kyrie's deal, and then Durant gets hurt again. And now James Harden's sitting there looking around going, well, this is basically the same team I had in Houston, but I like Houston a lot more than Brooklyn. Like living in Brooklyn sucks. Living in Houston is great. There's no sales. There's no income tax. It's warm all the time. You know what I mean? So he mm-hmm. I, I, he's going to end up being a free agent at the end of the year. I don't think he'll be back um, unless they win a title. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of funny though. I'm I'm enjoying all of the dysfunction. There's no doubt. <laughs> 
Um, and then I didn't even realize it all day until I was looking on Twitter. I was going to uh, say, right, what, what were you unplugged today? Right before. I, I mean, it really was. I took a two hour nap. Um, I really wasn't doing too much. You know, I talked to coach Bredesen over at Parker. I was doing some work from home and dropping some things off and running around. I, I really kind of did not do a whole lot as far as uh, sports news catch up, but I didn't realize until about two hours ago that it, uh, it was the two year anniversary of uh, Kobe Bryant's death. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty sad to think about, you know, him and his daughter and those, those other kids and their parents and, yeah, it, it just I guess it I guess it feels like 2 years. It almost kind of feels like longer. <clears throat> Cuz these last yeah. 2 years it felt like 20 years. But Yeah, but that's that's pretty much all I got for the NBA. All right. Um college hoops Badgers are going to play tomorrow afternoon. Um they got their, their game got switched back from I think it was scheduled for Monday. Um or maybe it was Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday night actually. Yeah, cuz cuz we didn't have a game and we were able to do one, and it got pushed back to Thursday with Nebraska having COVID issues. Uh, Badgers got moved up to eighth in the AP after uh, a couple of good wins, and then their first game up there, they lose to Michigan State uh, at home. And so now they got Nebraska tomorrow and then Minnesota coming up on Sunday. Um, but the Big Ten, there's, there's a lot of movement at the top with a lot of different upsets as well. I mean, Illinois just had a good game the other night, but, I mean, you know, they just played Maryland. Uh, there was an Indiana-Purdue upset that you and I kind of had talked about not on the not on the pod, and the Northwestern beat Michigan State last week mm-hmm. over the week. I mean, the, right before the Badger game. So um, a lot of these, like, bottom-tier teams are, are going into some of these arenas that some of these places own, some of these teams own, and – they're knocking them off, and it's actually been a little bit fun to see. Yeah, there's no dominant Big Ten team this year, um, you know. And then, and this is not a knock on the Badgers, but it's one of the reasons this Badger team has been able to have the season they had. Sure. Is, you know, there's no the Big Ten's not as top heavy as it's been in a few, you know, some of the last few years with a Michigan, Michigan State, Illinois, um, Purdue, Purdue. You know, so I. I was a little surprised they were getting throttled by Michigan State pretty good. I mean, they cut yeah, you know, they they made, the the score makes the game a little closer than I than it kind of felt like it was. Um so that that was a little surprising, but I think they'll bounce back tomorrow against Nebraska. They got the Gophers this weekend like you said, and I think they'll get that one as well. So um, Well, Tyler Wall being out really hurt them. It does. It, it, it well they don't that's a spot they don't have a lot of depth. No. You know, you're playing Carter Gilmore, and you're playing Stephen Crowell, Crowell and Carlson, and you know those guys are pretty borderline Big Ten guys, rotational guys. Anyway, at least at least Carlson is at this point. I know he's only a freshman, um, but yeah, losing him that that really shortened the rotation. So that'll be a four o'clock game, and they're doing kind of a double header, which I thought was kind of cool, even though nobody really cares too much about the Badger women. They're in Lincoln as well, so the Badger men are going to play at 4 o'clock, and then the Badger women are going to play at 8 o'clock. Nice. So there'll be a little double dip. Um, Good for Marquette, getting some love in the AP, but they continue to beat ranked teams. This is You have to be probably pretty pleasantly surprised with um, the last couple of weeks of this team, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, thrilled. I mean, uh, 
ranked 22nd this week, first time in I think like four and a half years. Um, fourteen and six on the year, six and three, third in the Big East right now. Did they start out zero and three? Yeah. Um, wow. They they're they're one of the surprises in. I mean, the Badgers being as good as they are was a surprise, especially early on. Marquette right now is one of the surprises in the country for the way they've been playing. I mean, they they go on the road and win at Villanova on on campus, which is the first time they had won in that gym. Uh, before they beat them by three, and then they come home this weekend, beat a good ranked Xavier team by nine. Uh, Justin Lewis in both those games, uh, over 20 points and in close to 10 rebounds, he was uh, pretty impressive. And we talked about him last week, he seems to really step up when they play some of these ranked teams. So, um, yeah, it's fun, man. I mean, I, I'm I did not. I didn't really know what to expect from Shaka Smart. I mean, we all remember when he made the Final Four when he was at VCU. Yep. And then he went to, you know, he parlayed that into the job at Texas. And he had some pretty mm-hmm. decent teams. He won the Big 12 tournament once or twice. But he had not, he has not won a tournament game since that VCU team went to the Final Four. And I think that was like 2011, 2012. Thought it was a while ago. Yeah, that, something that, like that. That surprises me that right. he's old for the tournament. Then, right? So you you know you kind of wonder like, okay, well he can get guys. Can he coach? You know, and and it it kind of reminded me of Wojo a little bit. It was like, well, you looked at the recruiting rankings under Wojo, and they were pretty damn good. But then he you get into the game situations, and it was kind of a debacle. Shaka has pleasantly surprised me. I I think he's been really really good. Um, he's really an emotional into the game kind of a coach. He's jumping around and running up and down the sidelines. And, you know, that's not really my style, but um, it seems to work for these guys at least so far. So we'll we'll see if they can keep it going. They got a tough one at Seton Hall tonight. Um, Seton Hall's kind of reeling. They had been um, top 20, but I, they've lost two or three in a row. They're like three and six in the Big East right now. And then Saturday they got to go to Providence which is uh, always a pretty tough place to play. So no no let up in the schedule for Marquette right now. Well, I'm, I saw the bracketology stuff that you sent me, and I, I you know, I, I take a look every now and again. They have Wisconsin as high as a three seed, mm-hmm. um, and then they have Marquette as a six seed. And I, I thought the, the prediction against Boise State was funny because I was, um, I don't know who I was, who I heard. It was one of the, one of the major college basketball name guys who said that you better watch out for Boise State. They're kind of one of the up-and-coming teams uh, out there who have really been on a roll. So that would that would be a kind of an interesting, fun matchup uh, yeah. for Marquette in the first round. And they, they have Wisconsin pegged now to take on Wagner in the first round. Yep, yep. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you kind of take the matchups with a grain of salt. It's just L- of course. L- Lombardi kind of – or uh, Lenardi kind of spitballing, but – yeah, they, those would both be interesting matchups. I didn't look too far down the road at who else was in their side of the bracket. But one thing I did notice that I, I don't know if I didn't know this or if I had just forgot, but um, there, there's a the first two rounds, there's a regional in Milwaukee this year at the Fiserv. Fiserv, yeah. No, uh, I, I, I guess I didn't realize that either. I think I may have to get some tickets and go to that because <laughs> I think there's a pretty damn good chance that I don't think Marquette would play there because it's their home court, but I think there's a really, really good chance the Badgers would play there. Well, God, when, well, that's the year that they had the Final Four yeah, in they, Minneapolis. 
Well, they the Badgers played Oregon at the Bradley Center the year yes. they, the year they made the national title. Yes. Okay. That that I do remember. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be, um, that'd be cool. Um, and then I guess just one other college basketball note. Um, Chris Mack, he came over from where did he come from? Xavier. Xavier, that's right, Musketeers, and they thought that was really good hire at Louisville, and that seemed to run its course very, very quickly because he got fired. I was really surprised a couple years ago when he took that job because um, he had been he had built Xavier into a really, really good program, mm-hmm. and um, he took that job after Patino got fired. And I think I remember. I think his wife was from there or something. So that was kind of the deciding factor, but. Yeah, he was suspended like six games. I think it was last year at the beginning of the season. Something with one of his assistants where, I don't know, there was some kind of recruiting violation, and then the assistant coach was like trying to blackmail some people. I, I, oh, my it, God. It, it was pretty messy. And so I think that, and then you couple it with they're, they're not doing well this year. I think they're like 11 and 7 or 11 and 8, something like that. Um, so, yeah, kind of surprised to see him go. All right. Um, let's uh, let's give our our voices a rest and wrap this up by talking about the Hall of Fame um, for baseball because the Writers Association put in one guy and that was David Ortiz. Um, Bonds no, Clemens no, Sosa no, Schilling no. Um, they still have a path to get into the Hall of Fame, but as far as the Writers Association, ten years they're done with. They're they're done with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what did Ortiz get? Did he get like seventy eight or was it even up above the eighty? It was I think above. it was like eighty two, eighty three. Okay, but he needed seventy five. He got he got more than that, and he's the only player going in uh, this year. First ballot guy uh, as well. And, I mean, deserving, and that's fine. But I feel like it's almost overshadowed by the fact that now these other four bigger names. Or, or as big a names um, are going to go through the entire process and not get in. Yeah, um, I know a lot of people don't care about this. It it just pisses me off that these baseball writers get to play the revenge vendetta game with 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 players that they don't particularly care for. Um, when it comes to voting for the Hall of Fame, they get to play gatekeeper. Um, I mean, I understand somebody has to vote on this stuff, but, you know, David Ortiz, who I have no problem with, and if you watched his career and you look at his numbers, no-brainer first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, But that dude was on the Mitchell Report, and he failed a PED test in, like, 2003 or 2004. Barry Bonds never failed a PED test. Roger Clemens never failed a PED test. Barry Bonds was taken to court, and they tried to get him on some shit. They couldn't get him. Um, I know most people don't like Bonds and Clemens. They're not very nice people in general. I get that, but that's not what the Hall of Fame is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a museum. It's supposed to tell the history of the game. I don't know how you talk about the history of the game without – a guy who's got four more MVPs than anybody else who's ever played the game in Barry Bonds. Forget the home run record. 
The guy, the guy has got seven MVPs. He's got like nine gold gloves. I mean, they were walking this dude with the bases loaded. Like, think about that. That's that's insane. And well, and, you and I, yeah, go you ahead. and I talked about that on the car ride down to Beloit the other night. Is you know, if you want to refer to it as a museum, which it is, are there only lighthearted, fluffy, rainbow gummy bear type things in a museum? No, no. There's 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 some you know there's some bad shit. There's some there's some tough parts of history that you have to see that are reality. And the reality is that these guys, while they might not be good, and they might have done some you know low handed things. They were still good at their chosen profession. Period. End of story. Um, you know, but the the fact that you allow opinions on whether you like them or, you know, hold up the, uh, the opinion of that it was bad for the game, you know, the way that they see it, the way that they held it, um, you know, it's, it's kind of what some of these guys like Hub Arkish is going to do to Rodgers for the, for the whole right. vaccine. Exactly. Stuff. Same deal. You know, and, and I just think that goes against what the essence of that whole thing is. Um, you cannot like a person, but I don't think it's also your job to play public defender or public executioner um, as far as their, um, what's the word I'm looking for, as far as their legacy goes. I, I, I just I don't think that that's fair. Well, it's the same shit like when they vote these guys in and they don't want them to get unanimous, so like two people won't vote for them and they'll God. get like 98% of the vote. It's like, what? why? What's the point? It, it's What it, are you accomplishing it, it, by that? It's petty, you know, but like, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I get it. Bonds was an asshole. Like half of his teammates never even liked him. He was a dick to the media. I get all of that. It doesn't matter. Guy was a Hall of Famer. He made the playoffs multiple times. Granted, he didn't win a championship, but that's not really held against baseball players. And he played, even if he did do all the things that we all think that he did, so are the guys throwing him the ball. That's why you're keeping Clemens out. So either don't let anybody from the era in or look at these guys all the same because Jeff Passan pretty much said it yesterday on ESPN. If you line all three of those guys up, Clemens, Bonds, and Ortiz. Ortiz is the guy who's always smiling and joking and laughing and everybody likes and he's quotable. But that shouldn't get you into the Hall of Fame over two guys with better careers. So, I think you let them in and if you have to write the blurb that is you know under their picture and the whole biography, you can include some of the bad stuff that was included, you don't have to write about their personality, you know, but mm -hmm. you know, you can, you can include, you know, the sketchy stuff that was involved and including Ortiz, you can put the deposit tested positive for performance. Test. That's fine because that's part of the whole story. You don't have to, you know, exclude anything. Right. But, right. Um, and, and bonds and Clemens are not, they're not Sosa and McGuire. They're not these, these one trick pony kind of carni right. carnival acts like Barry Bonds had like 450 home runs before he ever allegedly took a steroid. I mean, yeah. come on, what are we talking about here? Mm -hmm. 
So no, I'm 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 100% with you on that. I think it's you know we the lines have gotten so blurred now about on and off the field characterization and you know stuff like that that it's it's hard for people to keep things separate. I mean. Do I do I agree with Aaron Rodgers' opinions on a lot of his vaccine stuff and and what he did as far as you know misinformation on stuff? No. Do I love the fact that he played for the team that I'm a fan of and and won the Packers a lot of games and hope that he's under center? Absolutely. I can separate those two things. Mm-hmm. You know, one one doesn't have to affect the other. They can be mutually exclusive. I I I just don't get how we have to crucify somebody on the field just because they're a dick off the field. You wish they weren't, but that, that doesn't change how they do their job. Right. I don't like Grayson Allen any more than the next guy, but when he makes threes for the box, I'm happy. Right. Yep. But you know, somebody else would, would say that you're, you know, that, that you and I are looking at that wrong. Well, I would say, well, I would say that I'm gassed. My throat is done. It's time to go. <laughs> yeah. We got a big weekend ahead of us. Yes, we do. So, um, yeah, apparently there's going to be a lot of following on that Friday Craig Girls Verona game. Um, ESPN Madison's coming down to do it. That's on a Wit Sports poll of the game of the week, potentially up for a vote as well. So, um, that's going to be a big one. And we got three in a row starting on Thursday. Sounds good, man. All right, buddy. All right. Well, thanks for listening as usual. Tell your friends. Sorry I got you sick. Sorry you got me sick, bastard. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm Dan. I'm Josh. I'm terrible at this, but I'll end it anyway. Better than the sign-off the other night. <laughs> True that. Producer Dan saying, chickity-check ya. <laughs> Go Bucks. <laughs>